Welcome to It's Your Hormones, the podcast that delves into how your hormones affect every aspect of your life. I'm Dr. Sahar Roghead. I've been a doctor for almost 20 years and I'm a GP who's been working with patients with hormonal issues for 10 years. Each week you'll hear from a patient of mine or someone I know with hormonal issues who will share their real life story for you to learn how hormones can affect your mood, energy, sleep and quality of life and most importantly, what you can do about it. Today's podcast is with Helen Jane. Helen Jane was one of my first hormone patients way back when in 2014. She shares with you her journey through menopause, how it's enabled her to go on to have a rich, fulfilling new chapter in her life now, and also talk about thyroid issues. Let's dive in. Hi, Helen Jane. Welcome to the show. Thank you so here. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. So Helen Jane is one of my long-standing patients, I'd say, probably <laughs> one of the, the first people I saw for hormone therapy way back when in 2014. Yeah. Do you remember much about our first appointment, Helen Jane? I do. I remember a lot about our first appointment. I um, came to you. I read, so I thought I was going crazy first of all, um, or that I had sort of early onset of dementia and all sorts of very strange symptoms that I'd been struggling with for a number of years and um, hadn't had a lot of help or um, understanding really from um, the doctors that I was seeing and was kind of fobbed off with, oh, well, it's it's just you're heading into the menopause, but with no explanation or anything or any support really. So I was at a, quite a loss and I happened to read an article by Jeanette Winterston in The Guardian called From Womb to Tomb, talking about her struggles with the menopause and hormones and how she'd gone on bioidentical hormones. So I thought, well, that's the one for me. And then through that was uh, introduced to you at the clinic. Yes, yes. Because I was working at a, a different clinic then and that's where we met. That's right. Yeah. Well, I remember just coming in and saying to you, listing all my symptoms and saying to you, I think I'm going crazy. I can't do my work. I can't socialize. I can't really live my life fully in the way that I've always been used to living it. And you just said to me and said, looked at me and said, I, I completely get it. And for the first time, somebody had completely got it and was able to empathize and not only empathize, but really explain what was happening and talk me through some of those symptoms and some of those worries and concerns. And yeah, I remember crying with relief. <laughs> it was like, oh my God, finally. <laughs> um, so it was a really, it was a really big, really big deal. And it was a turning point for me. Um, yeah. And we've been, well, I've been coming to see you, as you said, for eight years now, you know, regularly ever since. I, I don't think I could function without. Yeah. Actually. So yeah, it was a it was a very very important moment. <laughs> yeah, I, so I remember it also because, like I said, I hadn't been doing what I was doing for that long. I came to get you from the waiting room and I got your name wrong and you were really cross with me. And I thought, oh no, this isn't going to go well now. <laughs> but I thought, never mind, let's try and start again. <laughs> Brought you into the room. I thought, oh no, she's still cross with me. And then I saw you weren't actually cross. You were just in a lot of distress. Yeah. And you did cry and I, I listened to what was going on. 
And I remember saying, because it was quite early in the morning, mm. and I remember saying, if I do your bloods now, they'll be back by five o'clock. Come back at five o'clock so we can get you sorted out today. Yeah. And because I just, I remember you saying you couldn't function, you couldn't work, you couldn't do all the things you wanted to do. And I think it's really important to learn a bit about the person in, in front of you. And I think your work's really interesting. And I'll ask you to say a little bit about that shortly. So, um, yeah, I just really remember feeling a, a real sort of empathy and connection to you and then just really wanting to to get things going for you straight away. And, and I think we did get it right pretty quickly, didn't we? Absolutely, because I was about to go on a trip to America to do... Um a lot of public speaking and I was terrified that I wouldn't be able to do it. And I think that was part of the reason that you were so brilliant and said, right, I can get this back at five for you. Yeah, that was it because I thought, yeah, yeah, I, I thought otherwise you'd go away and not have the treatment you needed. So I wanted to get going as soon as possible so that you could take your treatment away with you to have the benefit of it. Absolutely. And it was, it was an like instant, the difference was was uh, almost within a day or two, you know, really, I started to feel like me again, like the person I'd always known. And I started to be able to function again. And my symptoms really took a massive change, almost, as I say, almost instantaneously. Yeah. It was a really big deal. It was a lifeline, really. <laughs> so um, I've alluded to the fact that I think you do some quite interesting work. Do you mind talking a little bit about that? No, not at all. I'm happy to talk about that. So one of my roles in life is uh, a psychotherapist and I specialise in working with trauma and have had and continue to have a very busy practice. And I was finding it impossible to be fully present um, I also work as a lecturer and, and trainer for other psychotherapists in the field and I run workshops all over the world um, supporting people in expressive arts and movement therapy and personal development but also supporting other professionals in working in a trauma-informed way. So the fact that I was interfacing with people all the time whether on a one-to-one -one basis with people who were understandably experiencing a lot of distress themselves or speaking to a room full of doctors or doing a workshop you know I really needed to be able to be present and support these people and that was really severely compromised as you're aware um yeah so that's some of what I do I also do um a lot of work with displaced populations with immigrants and I have set up um uh, an ongoing kind of drop-in centre in Athens in Greece, uh, working with a trauma-informed approach and offering food, clothes, uh, psychological support, um, movement and art support in that way to, as I say, many of these displaced people who are fleeing the most appalling situations and then arriving with nothing. So... Um, I really, really feel very fortunate to be able to do that kind of work. Yeah, I think it's absolutely fantastic work that you do. Oh, thank you. I feel privileged. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, and I guess one of the things I hear from you and and hear from, from other women in, in menopause is that 
you know, a lot of the people I see, they've got amazing skills and talents and and great careers, you know, in their 50s. And then mm. suddenly the menopause hits and it feels like you can't contribute anymore. Yeah, I mean, I really felt like it was getting to the stage where I thought, am I going to just sit at home <laughs> for the rest of my life and not be able to contribute, like you say? And And also because back in, you know, eight years ago, it's slightly different now. I think there's much more awareness and, and there's much more dialogue around the menopause and, and women are sort of coming out around it, if you like, and speaking to each other. But I think even eight years ago, that was was much less than it is now. So, you know, the, all the myths and all the nobody speaks about the menopause and, and all of that was 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 also something that felt very restricting and... And that was one of the things that when I came to you was such a relief to be able to speak to somebody that that really understood um, and not only really understood, but could offer support and help and make a difference. So, you know, as we said, it was that day, you know, at five o'clock, I, I left <laughs> fully armed and, um, <laughs> you know, was able to then literally sort of within the next couple of days, pick up my life again. It really did. I know it sounds dramatic, but it really did feel like that. You know, like you say, my life was so compromised, as is the case for many women. Um, and the stigma around it about, you know, you don't talk about it and, um, you don't make a big deal and everybody goes through it and all those those things that we're told that aren't helpful, actually. Yeah, it's it's not particularly helpful. And you're right, eight years ago, I think we maybe forget it was very different and mm. GPs were quite resistant to prescribe HRT. You know, you were very much told, well, if you take HRT, you're just going to get breast cancer. So, so don't take it or on your head be it. And so many women have unnecessarily suffered because of this sort of narrative that they were given. And, yeah, we don't really celebrate these these moments in a woman's life. You know, women get their periods. That's also sort of clouded in a bit of, like, shame and judgment. And, you know, it's all a bit weird. And, you know, I think the teenager themselves feels a bit weird about it as well because you don't really talk about it and you're going through a, a new experience. And then the same thing happens at menopause, yeah. uh, another new experience, which, of course, you said we've got better at it, but people still aren't, you know, you don't go into work and announce you, you're in menopause now, you know, right? It's it's still a little bit taboo, but maybe now you can talk to your friends a bit more about it. There's more on Instagram and Facebook and, and things like that. People like Davina McCall have been talking about it. So there's a little bit more support and understanding around it now, I think. Yeah, I would agree, and I think you mentioned shame, and I think that's a big, a big piece in the in the the whole jigsaw really around menopause is that there has been so much shame around it, um, and I feel like that's being broken through more and more. And I certainly talk to all my female friends, certainly women of the same age, and there's something about the camaraderie in that as well that feels very supportive. Um, but it is very different. And as you say, you know, I was discouraged by most of the doctors I saw and at the very least sort of felt that they were quite slightly irritated um, and not really wanting to, to prescribe HRT, which was something I didn't actually want to necessarily go on anyway, because I do have a history of breast cancer in the family. And that was another reason that the bioidentical was so appealing to me. 
Yeah. So you've been on hormones now, like you said, for about eight years. Yep. And you've been very stable on it. But we do do regular checks to try and minimise any any cancer risks and things like that, don't we? Yeah. I mean, that's another thing that, that feels really supportive is that we do regular bloods and we check all the hormone levels together and I regularly come and, and let you know how things are. Um both sort of verbally and in terms of taking bloods and all the tests. Because as we know, you know, hormones fluctuate constantly. So it's a forever changing landscape. And I think, yeah, together we've really kept on top of that. And there has been a sense of stabilisation in that eight years that I don't believe I would have got if I'd have been put on a regular HRT prescription. Yeah, and we... We do tests like uh, we've done the urine test mm-hmm. that looks at how you break down the hormones, which I think is important in terms of cancer risk. I encourage regular breast screening, of course, as well. So we try and take the hormones in the safest way possible. And um, I'd you know I'd say from what you've told me, generally you've got quite a healthy lifestyle as well. Yeah. Yeah, I am somebody that that has a healthy lifestyle. I I eat very well. I exercise regularly. And that was another reason that I couldn't understand why I wasn't able to function anymore, you know. And then it got to the point where I couldn't exercise anymore because the symptoms were so were so intrusive. Yeah. But yes, I mean all the tests we do, I do feel, you know, supportive. It feels like a very holistic approach, which is really important to me. Because as you say, it's not just doing the bloods and the levels, but it's checking how much the body holds on to certain hormones, how much it lets go of, and in terms of cancer risks and that sort of thing. So it does feel very holistic, so here. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> um, one of the things I, I often say to patients is that we're not in control of everything that happens in our health. Sometimes there's just bad luck as well. But the things that we can control we should be looking at. So that's things like, from your perspective, you know, looking at lifestyle and diet and and kind of doing your part with the exercise and things. Mm. My part would be monitoring the hormones, checking you're excreting them properly, making sure you're keeping up with your breast screening and things like that. So Mm. from that perspective, we feel like we're together doing everything in our power to keep you healthy. And then sometimes things do happen, but at least we can feel we've done our best for you and we've been keeping a check on everything. Yeah, yeah. So I remember when I came back from my trip from America and I was on the hormones, I, under your advice, went and had various screenings and tests done and ultrasounds just to check on everything and that everything was healthy and and that I was okay to be on the hormones and to continue with them. So, yeah. Yeah, because I want you to feel well, of course, but I also don't want us to be causing any extra issues. So the more we can keep on top of things and check things and do some general health screening, I always think is the better. Mm. And again, that's about the holistic approach for me. And yeah, very, very important. Yeah. And I think that it's been really good that the sort of breast cancer myth has been slightly dispelled in the last few years. Yeah. Um, because the the risk of breast cancer in a woman, all women um, over 50, even if you're not taking hormones, is about 23 per thousand. Mm. 
and taking HRT, which they say is any form of HRT, increases this risk by four. So it goes up to 27 per thousand. So it's a relatively small risk. Mm. Of course, it's still significant if you're one of those people. But I think it's important to know that if you are obese, that risk goes up by an additional 23 or 24. So there are other things that increase your breast cancer risk more than taking hormones. Mm. Um, the same risk is if you have more than four glasses of wine a week as well. So, so there are lots of things you can do to offset perhaps taking hormones if you feel that's really valuable and important to your, your health. And of course, we're not even talking about the benefits you get from, you know, improved bone density and improved heart health mm. and also reducing dementia risk and neurological issues. So it's all a fine balance. And you really do need to look at things as a picture and not just as the individual components. Yeah. And I feel that that's exactly what you did when we first met. But what is you, what you've continued to do and support me with is that sense of looking at the whole picture rather than one specific symptom or one specific outcome. It's, it's Again, it's that holistic approach that's felt so supportive. Thank you. And really, really important. Thank you. Now, I have, it's been at you, as you know, as I tell you many times, you've been a huge support to me. Yeah, and being guided by you around different testings at different points and, and really sort of listening and appreciating all the knowledge that you have and all the research that you've done and that you continue to do. Yeah, it's been, it's been really, really, really supportive and continues to be so. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Mm. And... um. As part of our sort of ongoing screening and looking at you as a whole, we actually picked up on a new problem a couple of years ago, about two and a half years ago, didn't we? Yeah, we did. My thyroid. <laughs> yeah, if we hadn't been doing the tests that we were doing in the way that we were doing them and regularly monitoring and, and having appointments where I could come and let you know what was happening, that that would never have happened. And um yeah, I would have continued then to struggle with those symptoms. Um, yeah. Do you remember the symptoms you, you had when you came in with the thyroid? I do, because some of the symptoms were very similar to what I'd been experiencing um, before I'd started my hormone re replacement. Um, so I was a bit concerned. So I was feeling a lot of fatigue, very sluggish. Um, increased sensitivity to the cold, sleepiness on a daily basis, very dry skin suddenly, a lot of muscle weakness, muscle aches and tenderness and stiffness, which I wasn't used to because I, as I say, you know, exercise is a big part of my life. Um, joint pain and stiffness seemed to come back and my hair, my hair started to fall out quite a lot and my weight started to fluctuate quite a lot. So those were some of the symptoms and as I say, there was there was a sort of sense of some of them sort of crossing over into the menopause symptoms and couldn't work out because all my hormones, all the levels of the hormones that, that you were prescribing seemed fine. So that's when you suggested, ah, let's go and check your thyroid. Yeah, yeah, because you, you came in and you yeah. said, oh, I'm not sure if the hormones are working anymore. That can sometimes happen due to various reasons. Mm. So I'm like, well, let's check your hormones. And they were all very good and the levels were great so I said okay let's check some other things and then I think I gave you a call the next day and I'm like 
oh, I think I know what the issue is. I think the thyroid's gone off. <laughs> and we did a more thorough thyroid check. Yeah, yeah. And then started on some thyroid medication. Yeah. And again, that's taken us a little while to get the balance right for you, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. And it feels like we're just at that point now where the balance is right. It has taken quite a while to um, find that, that right balance for my system. And again, you know, with your support, we've we've done that. And, um, you know, I went and had a, a scan on my thyroid, um, did lots of other tests. And, and, yeah, I think we've we've kind of we're getting to the point now where we've nailed it. <laughs> yeah. And I think it probably wasn't helped by the fact that it was kind of around the pandemic time. So it was a bit harder to see each other and get tests done and things. Mm hmm. And then also probably not helped by the fact that you were going through some personal stress as well. And that was probably affecting your hormones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because my mother was unwell and, and in a process of dying at the time. And then we did go into the lockdown, as you say. So brilliantly, I was able to do some of the tests at a distance and, and send them to you. Um, so that even though the pandemic was restricting you know, in-person visits and certain in-person testings, we were able to continue to find out and, and address some of those levels. And um, as I say, I think we've I think we've nailed it now with the medication I'm on and those symptoms. I mean, some of them every now and then, but you know, I function well. I'm living my life fully. Just managed to move down to Devon, so I couldn't have even contemplated doing that. Um, either when I first met you or when we discovered the the thyroid issues. Yeah, we had to take the clinic fully virtually over the, the first lockdown especially. <laughs> but, you know, it was very important. I know for you and other patients, they were quite worried, well, what's going to happen? Am I going to be able to get my hormones? Because, again, you know, you might think, oh, that sounds like a, a small thing when the pandemic was happening. But for the people it's affecting, it's actually huge. So mm. I was able to take the clinic virtually we were doing blood tests if we needed to remotely with finger pricks and things like that, which is a bit fiddly, but we could do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then able to, uh, we kept the pharmacy open at the clinic and we were able to post the medication out. So we did manage to keep everyone going throughout that tricky time, which is just one less thing to worry about when you're in a global pandemic, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And talking about the pharmacy, you know, they're they're great as well. I've got a relationship with them as well. And and being able to phone and say, you know, is it going to be OK? And is my prescription ready? And then talking me through stuff, you know, that also is a it just puts your mind at rest in, a, in another way. And and that sense of being taken care of, you know. So thank you for coming on today, Helen Jane, and being so open and, and candid about everything you've been through. My pleasure. I was just wondering if you had any final advice for women going through similar issues. Yeah, well, go and see So here. <laughs> go and see Dr. Rockhead <laughs> would be one of my <laughs> points of advice. I'm not paying her to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not on retainer or anything. <laughs> but it's true, you know, also talk about it. Talk to other women about it. Listen to each other. Uh, Empathise with each other break out of the shame-based patterns that there are around the menopause and our hormones. And, you know, because it is a time that actually we 
as women, we do step into our power around this time, even though physiologically everything can feel like it's going against us. If you get the right support, you can really step into your power and embrace the menopause. So seek help, talk to other women, talk to professionals that are open to talking about it, who have a deeper understanding of women's health and who don't think one size fits all and who aren't sort of adverse to saying, yeah, try this. That would be my advice. Keep trusting that it will be okay. There is help out there. Yes, there is. And there's more help now than there has ever been before, which is a positive. Yeah. And I never forget that it's a privilege for me to to help people and they for people to trust me with what they're going through because it is a very difficult time. We have to talk about lots of very personal things. So I don't forget that it's a privilege for me to be in this position to be able to help people and, and hear the stories of interesting and inspiring women like you as well and be part of your journey oh thank you and and that's very very apparent in in how you how you are you know and how you are in relationship and how we are in relationship that uh, mutual respect is vitally important and it's ever present i feel so again much gratitude. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm sure your story is going to help so many other women as well. So thank you for that. I hope so. If it helps one person, then that's that's a big deal. Thanks, Helen Jane. Pleasure. Helen Jane is such an inspiring woman to me. I feel a great connection with the work she does with trauma and how she helps displaced people and refugees. It's a privilege to have helped her in her journey to help others. We talked about how in 2014, menopause and taking HRT was not as acceptable as it is now. And it's great to reflect on how things have improved for women's health. Helen Jane takes bioidentical hormones, which are custom-made hormones. Again, in 2014, there wasn't as much choice in good quality body-identical hormones as there is these days. Body-identical hormones are hormones that have the same chemical structure as your own hormones and these are made by a drug company. I prescribe probably 50-50 of both body and bioidentical hormones, often due to a patient's personal preference or if the dosage of the body identical hormones doesn't suit the patient. We also discuss the importance of regular screening. Helen Jane has a family history of breast cancer, so it's very important for her to have screening like mammograms. And we also check her levels to make sure the hormones aren't too high. This isn't recommended by the NICE guidance, but as you heard, it is something Helen Jane really values. I also do oestrogen metabolism tests with my patients, which is a urine test that shows how you're breaking down your hormones. Generally, we break down oestrogen into three main metabolites. One is good, one is neutral, and one is bad. So we want to make sure we have more of the good and the neutral one than the bad one. If we have too much of the bad one, you can take supplements, change things in your diet, add in cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and cauliflower, and exercise to reduce it, and also work on balancing your sugars. I have a lot of the bad oestrogen metabolites, so it's something I work on too. It's nothing to be scared of if you find this out. And actually, I think it's good to find things out before it causes a problem, and there's something you can do about it. Lastly, we talked about having an underactive thyroid, hypothyroidism. 
As Helen Jane said, the symptoms of an underactive thyroid overlap with menopause symptoms, such as tiredness, weight gain, not thinking clearly, hair loss and low mood. So I think it's important to get your thyroid checked on a thorough blood test, looking at the minimum of TSH, which is called thyroid stimulating hormone, which is the signal from the brain that tells your thyroid to work, and T4, thyroxine hormone, which is the hormone that the thyroid gland produces. The thyroid gland is a small gland found in your neck. Very small, but very important. I also like to check the T3 hormone and thyroid antibodies for thoroughness. Most cases of hypothyroidism occur in women between the ages of 45 and 55, which is a similar age as menopause, so it can often get missed due to this. There was also a period of stress for Helen Jane, so it could have been easy to attribute her thyroid symptoms to that. I'd advise getting your thyroid checked if you have any new symptoms of weight gain, tiredness or low mood, and probably every one to two years regardless. There's more information in the show notes that I hope you find helpful. Thanks for tuning in this week to It's Your Hormones. Join me again next week to hear more real-life stories about how hormones can affect you and what you can do about it. See you next week. Thank you.